What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. My name is Sean G, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the pride of Wexford, Brian Moore, today before his bow with Otto Rodriguez up at 145 at Bellator Dublin. Brian Hartings. It's 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 usually like a couple of weeks before the fight or the week of the fight I'm talking to, but we're Jesus, we're four yeah. months out from it now still. And but I, four months. obviously it was announced yeah. the other day, so I wanted to get you on to talk. It it must be good. It's a, it must be an exciting time now before you get into the, like the real camp for the fight. Before you actually get into even maybe t- thinking about the fight itself, this this must be must be the fun time where it's a, you know it's all getting ready for it. Yeah, outside the camp, um, like usually I love being in camp, but uh, look at I'm a martial artist, and when, I think you learn more outside of you know you put things together differently. Camp is about refining, so this is all an exciting time. Um, we're doing a lot of. We're putting a lot of groundwork in, but we're just focusing on on me, which is great, rather than focusing on, on an opponent. Like you know, eight weeks out, so maybe it's always an exciting time, isn't it? It's when you're doing what you love. So uh, yeah, just posing for this matchup, man. Uh, I actually did a podcast about that that came out uh, today as we were recording about fighters the way they prepare outside, uh, saying outside of the fight even, but then inside of the fighter the way they fight outside of the fight and inside of the fight in terms of tactics. Mm-hmm. What do yeah. you do when you're preparing? Like, are you preparing? as the best martial artist you can be where you're looking at all the other fights seeing you know maybe you're watching uh, the Makachev uh, Volkanovski fight you see something in it maybe okay I could implement that in my game but then you have to look at your opponent and stuff as well as like mm, can I implement that in my game I'll have to do this this and this what, how do you get that balance between the two of those things because you want to be the best martial artist you can be but you also want to win your upcoming fight yeah that's what it, why it drives me nuts especially with younger fighters that turn up for eight to ten weeks out before a fight and then they disappear. You know what I mean? Because your learning goes on in the in the gym outside of camp, basically. Now in camp you're still gonna learn and but it's a lot of refinement work. You're focusing on yourself and the best game plan that, that you can implement versus your opponent and work and obviously, you know, trying to train to uh, exploit his weaknesses and to, you know, try to figure out his, his strengths. Um, so you do an awful lot of the learning. And a lot of the enjoyment is outside of camp. You know what I mean? You, you can you can fail safely, as I say. You know, um, so with both of them, both of them are exciting. Both of them I love. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it's it's they're two different, two definitely different dynamics. Um, they they feel very different. But uh, you know, when you put a lot of the groundwork in um, outside of camp, camp goes a lot smoother. I find. Well, I just want to ask you about tactics because we're on this conversation now. We might go into it. Like, let's say you're preparing for a fight. Do you have like a set game plan that you go in and you try to implement this? And let's say you have done that. Do you have like a game plan B, C, and D that if it yeah. doesn't go right to do that? Uh, yeah. I answered uh, you answered yes, but some people are like I talked to and they go, "Look, you can't have a game plan because you never know what your opponent is going to do." Are you one of those people? It feels like you are one of those people who, if this doesn't go right, I can do this. Yeah, look, you kind of have to have a contingency plan in my mind. I remember having a fight before and I didn't game plan. I didn't even really study my opponent. I was kind of just giving the advice of just go with the flow. And I felt so lost in there. You know, it was a terrible, it was, it was a brutal performance. But on the same, on the same, on the same wavelength, you can overdo it too. My last opponents, like I took him lightly. He didn't excite me. I seen a couple of different threats that he had and he done different things. He he fought differently. So yeah, you have to have a contingency plan. You have to go in there as the best mixed martial artist you can possibly be because 
shit can hit the fan very quickly in there. You know what I mean? You break a hand, you break a toe, God knows what happens, or the guy goes out southpaw if you training orthodox you know, versus an orthodox. So, yeah, there has to be a game plan, but you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to kind of overcome that as well. How hard is that to adapt in fight? Because at least, uh, like, you can have a contingency plan outside. Let's say, okay, plan A is to, to box. If that doesn't go well, maybe the rest of that doesn't go well, you know, pull guard, you know, whatever it might be. But in fight itself, it must be so much harder to, like, not, not only change plan, but to realize you have to change plan. It, like, it's easy for us watching outside or watching on Monday morning or watching the next day analyzing it and be able to pause it now, but you actually in the fight, getting punched in the head, getting kicked in the leg, getting taken down to actually yeah. realize oh, I need to change this. It was uh, like, obviously did, did you learn that over time? Is that something that the corner helps with or what way do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. The corner helps, but looking in there, you, you know, especially if you find the trainer, you know, it's very hard to hear the corner. You have that lovely, maybe 30, 40 seconds of information that goes in, in between rounds, but during a, a lot of the time, it can be it can be hard. And look at we're mixed martial artists; we do everything, so we should be able to adapt. Do you get me? Um, you know, we should be able to be. This should be easy for us to do. Not easy for us to do, but it should be absolutely in our um, in our back pocket to be able to adjust. You know, if I'm going in, I'm just going to say, "I'm going to box this guy up." Well, that's me being very naive because anything can happen either side of it. You know. If I try to box someone up and I'm on my back, well, that's that game plan done. You know, have I done my homework and working off my off my back? Have I done my homework and trying to wrestle this guy? You know, so um, you got to be good at it all, Sean. Um, it's easy to be adaptable when you put the work in. Let's put it that way. You're so you're in the phase now where you're probably planning the camp. Can you just tell us like? How how does that work? Like you're someone who's obviously very detailed in how you pull out the plan, and you know, living in Wexford and traveling to Dublin as well, you you kind of have to be. You know, it's your circumstance. Can you just kind of tell us how you do that? Like, is is it something that's written from, you know, the the first of May until the first of September or whatever the date is, and you know, every single day what you're going to do, or what way do you work it? Yeah, what I tr- what I've tried to do in the last while I'm doing right now is I kind of try make a good base for what I'm going to do in camp now. So I have my days that I go open to Dublin, uh, usually they're on Monday and a Friday. I have a lot of good uh, sparring partners and coaches down here in Wexford, which has been amazing in the last two to three years. And then I'll just add an extra day in Dublin when we get into camp. So there's no major changes. I'm training twice a day now since I've kind of decided to move up. I have a lot more energy. So it's kind of easy to train twice a day right now. Um, so it won't be that much adapting. It's more sort of thought processes that are, that, that are going in. Like we're trying a lot of new things that, um, not even new things, but we're refining work that that uh, that we've been looking at and kind of keeping in our back pocket for a bit too long that we're going to let loose. I'm doing a lot, a lot of wrestling. I'm doing a lot, a lot of jiu-jitsu um, and a lot of strength work. It's great to be actually lifting again. Um, I didn't really get the chance to do that while I was a little bantam, but now I'm uh, moving up. So, um yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like my plans. I like my structure, like my routine, but I can't see it being too different from now on camp. That's what I'm trying to do. What was the decision uh, like to, to move up? Was it you that wanted to move up or did Bellator offer you the 45 or what was it? Um, geez, there's about 10 reasons, I suppose. But look, I feel healthier at, at featherweight. I had a good run at featherweight. The last time I was at featherweight, I was training part-time. Um, I went full-time when COVID happened and uh, it allowed me to train full-time. And When we were in lockdown, I was like, I fucking love this. I love this whole full-time gig. And I decided that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my primary. You know, I didn't have the choice beforehand. Then I did better contracts, better this, better that. And um, 
So it's going to be exciting going back to featherweight where I've had great fights. I feel like I have a better knockout ratio, I have a better finishing ratio. Health-wise, I, I, I'm full of energy. Um, I didn't like how the last cut went. It was um, it was brutal. And uh, I don't like what that's doing to my body, let's put it that way. Um, I'm about longevity, about, about health. And when you actually look at the numbers and you look at the performances, I'm not really benefiting too much from the cut at bantamweight as I am in, in featherweight. The strength numbers go down, the performance numbers go down. So I'm better off being the, um, you know, going up to going up to the to, to featherweight, and and just being fitter and healthier and happier happier there. You know, um, so it's exciting for me. And I think also stylistically, I'm a fast guy. I'm I, I use a lot of volume. I'm uh, I use a lot of fitness. And when I go down to Banto, I'm kind of a bit heavier. And I'm not a a lay and pray guy. You know. Where is it benefiting me? You know, that kind of way. I'd rather have that oomph. You've seen in that last fight, I was 30-second bursts at the end. I felt like that's what I had. I was on a reserve. And I did, gen, just don't like feeling that way. I don't f- like feeling I can't give it 100%. And I feel like the move up can can really like um, counter that. It must have been hard, though, to actually make that decision, considering, like, you know, all the talk was that you were going to fight Ego for the last two fights, and we can talk about that in a second, and then maybe Bellator's yeah. matchmaking and stuff. Was that a hard decision, considering you were kind of on the verge of maybe getting a ranked opponent and then getting ranked yourself? Yeah, like, at the end of the day, um, like, I'm not saying goodbye to, to Bantamweight, but I probably am at this point. I don't know, it's... I, I feel like if I move, I'm making the move to Federweight, I want to commit 100% to it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm uh, Federweight is exciting me more. And I know, like, the Higo fight, that was meant to happen. But to be honest, I kind of feel like if it, ha- if it was to uh, happen, it would have happened by now. You know, I've called for that God knows how many times. I'm kind of sick of calling for it now at this point. Um, and there's exciting fights for me at, at Federweight. Look at the top 10. You know, you've got Vitzel fighting uh, Barnell on the same card. You know, my eyes will be on those two guys, you know, there's, the featherweight division is exciting for me, but more, more exciting is, is how I'm going to feel and perform there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, about this. And another thing that, that, that I probably didn't mention is that, you know, I, I love martial arts and Bantamweight keeps me off the mat that even more featherweight keeps me on the mat more. I suppose there's kind of a juxtaposition with Bellator that they have, They've given great opportunities to Irish fighters and they've paid them good money over the last few years. But also it feels like there's a few lads that have kind of been like, not necessarily held back. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, so for coming in for a school. But like a few fighters, in you, you, I think you're probably the biggest example, if we're being honest, who've been kind of not necessarily held back, but not given the opportunity to deserve, especially for you at this stage of your career. You've been around for a long time. It's You're not a lad walking in who hasn't earned it. You've earned it. And then you've had good results as well uh, in the last six or seven fights, beating some good guys. And it feels like you haven't been given that. Like, how, how does that feel? Because, like, you're getting, as you said you're, yourself, you're getting paid well now. You're on the main card in the tree arena and everything like that. But still, it's not that opponent, the ranked opponent you wanted to kind of move your career on. It must be, like, that that kind of juxtaposition must be tough for you, is it? Yeah, it is. Like at the at the end of the day, like I, I know the fights I, I, that that I want, and I know the fights that I could could perform, like that I deserve. Let's put it that way. Um, but I like this fight. I really like this better fight. This guy's on a twelve fight win streak. He's thirteen and one. Um, he was meant to fight Aaron Pico, uh, so they have a good regard for him. So going in there and snapping that streak. There's no ignoring that. There's absolutely no ignoring that. And um, 
I think, yeah, is he a name? Is he a Bellator, like, name? No, but, you know, I think by beating this guy, the guys that know will know and the casuals will know. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, getting a top 10 guy that has a name and a number, beside his name, more importantly, would be would be great, but that'll, that'll come next, I feel. The Phantom, I think, you know, uh, I think there would have been great fights there for me too, but it doesn't seem to be going that way. So let's let's give Feder let's give Feder a go. Do you think it might be easier to navigate a Federway, like maybe not as deep at Bantamweight, and get into the top ten a little bit easier, maybe? Maybe so, but even stylistically, like if you look at um, if you break them all down, right, break down the top tens, like it's primarily heavy, boring grapplers at one thirty five, isn't it? You look at 145, it's a very much a mixed bag. You know, you've got good jiu-jitsu guys, you've got really good strikers, you've got guys who mix it well. And um, if I add to that, my style, I think I, I match up great with these fighters, you know what I mean? So it is great. Like I'm, I keep, I know I said, I said it a couple of times, but like I fought some really good names at, at Featherweight. I fought Daniel Voichler on my, on, my, on my debut. Well, I was training part time. I thought I trained. Uh, I fought uh, AJ on a couple of weeks' notice. Um, I fought no Lahat, who was a good name, and that was going one way until I, I broke my hands. So, like, I feel like I can go in there and, and mix it up with any any of them. And uh, this 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 Otto Rodriguez will just be the just be the start. You know what I mean? It's a it's a great fight. It's an exciting fight, and you know I, I can't wait to to get in there and put my stamp on the division. Oh, the last time we spoke was at one of the, the Bellator, or the, the second last time maybe we spoke was at one of the Bellator media days. And I remember saying it to you, is like, do you need to kind of get the, the big fights now? Because obviously, you know, you've been around for a long time in your career. And your kind of answer to me was, well, have I gotten any worse? Have I slowed down? And like the obvious answer to that is no. So mm-hmm. is this like, you, you, you know, you said a couple of times now about going full time. It must be yeah. such a difference to go full time like that. You know, for a lot of people at this stage of their career, maybe they are slowing down because they've done, had so much wear and tear. But for you, the fact that you're training a little bit differently now, a lot of the training, you know, by yourself or hitting pads and things like that, you know, and yourself and John have both talked about that in the past, how you've improved your technique by doing that. You know, Max Holloway has spoken about that before, maybe not even sparring a little bit less, but you know, working on more technique, that the fact that you can go full-time now, keep your body in check a little bit easier, it's actually going to give you extra longevity in your career and going up to 145, I suppose, is something that can do that as well. Do you feel like, in some ways, does it feel like your full-time career is only like kind of just getting started? Yeah, my, fir- my first fight at full-time was against uh, Simone Dana and that was that knockout. That was actually my last featherweight fight and then it was all bantam after that. That fight was meant to be bantamweight but... um. Uh, he couldn't make the weight. He, he took it on like four weeks notice or, or something. So it's only since I, I started abandoning, I went full time. But like, even though I'm getting older, my injuries have got less. I've improved tenfold te- technique wise because I'm just able to give more to the game. So rather than having to rush around and get back and do like a long eight hour day on top of the training for three to four hours, I'm able to dedicate it to, to mobility, to, to physio work, to to more endurance work to you know strength work you know what I mean it's 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 what I've always wanted to do since I was about five I wanted to be an athlete uh, you know what I mean and uh, it's it's amazing the last couple of years to be able to live this life and as a result I've really leaned into it and improved and um, I think when you take away the the nonsense of the weight cutting I think you'll even see a, a much better version of that I was talking to Caelan Locker last week and uh he played a lot of GA when he was young. I was talking to Ian Gary there a few months ago. He played a lot of GA when he was young. I know you played a lot of GA as well. 
how did it benefit you like getting into to where you are now but also like you, you talked there about you know working a job while training full time and obviously if people don't know about GA it's an amateur sport and that, that's what everyone who plays GA does is that kind of a mindset you were in as well it's like well you know I, I have to change from an amateur athlete not even an amateur but to go professional even in the last few years but did that base and that kind of grounding help you as well to where you are now and even like in, in the days in your career where you had to work uh, yeah, well, like when I was playing, um, you know, for when I was playing intercounty for Wexford at underage, or when I was playing senior with my club, you do your long hours in in college, or you do your long hours on on site or in work or whatever it may be, and uh, didn't matter how bollocks you were out there, you had to you had to show up and train, and then you had to do that a few times a week, and then you had to match on the weekend, and if you were playing both codes, either hurling and football, you know, and you were playing different age groups, like maybe minor and senior. That's a lot of go on the body, so you just kind of get used to it. You know, you look at like say American wrestling, and they have a you know a huge work ethic, but like so does GAA. Do you know what I mean? It's and these guys are playing like if I mean you know it, you especially being a Limerick man, like the skill level involved in hurling is absolutely breathtaking. So for any Yanks looking at this, make sure you check it out. It's just unbelievable. But like these guys don't get paid for doing that. Just just imagine that it's unbelievable what they can achieve. But yeah, I think it's a mindset. I remember you and uh, Andrew McGann were talking about me good a few years ago and saying about like a tough GAA guy. And uh, like, I like that, 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 but I haven't felt like that tough, gritty GAA guy um, for the last, you know, uh, since I was at Bantam. I always like being a little, I always like being a little bit smaller and having to try and dig that little bit deeper I always felt that federate you know what I mean Phantom I was one of the bigger boys and it didn't really fit well you know what I mean in that way but uh, yeah the GA the, the thing I think uh, if you look at those two guys that you mentioned particularly Ian look what he's, what he's doing I think definitely serves well but I think all sports do that but yeah the, the whole um, like I mentioned having to turn up for a training having to turn up for a match doing both codes a lot a lot of going in the body and that just transfers well over to, to GA or to MMA yeah, and I, I like skill acquisition is a thing as well. It, obviously, very different skills, but very like applicable in terms of you. Like you have to acquire these skills to be so proficient at it that you can play at a high level. And I'm sure it, it kind of it moves over as well. Is, is skill is just? I want to ask you about uh, Otto as well, but I'm I, I'm so interested in this sort of like the, the preparation that you do and, and the preparation that all fighters do. But I I feel like you're very open with it. Like you watch a lot of boxing, and obviously you watch a lot of MMA and everything as well. And you see a skill, let's say that you haven't trained massively before. You see someone else do, or you think, okay, I have trained that before, but that's something I need to concentrate on. What do you yeah. do at that position? Is it that, like you go out and you do it yourself? Do you give John a call? Do you give one of your other coaches a call? What, like, is there something like that, even an example recently, that you saw something, I'm going to work on that, and then you implement it in your training? Yeah, like, so for instance, I'm always, always studying, right? Like, um, I'm not a massive fan of, like, uh, been on my phone for hours on end, but I will be on YouTube for hours on end. So even when I'm putting my daughter to sleep when she's not enough, like I'll be on my phone, I'll be I'll be studying fights. And that's why I say I'm studying to her. What I'll do is I'll pick apart a few things like I was studying Ben Askren there quite a while about going his, his wrist control. But I was um Ricardo Lopez is a boxer, a strawweight boxer, and he used that pendulum step. So for instance, we've been using that a bit lately. And I'll note the different things that, that I like to do, and we'll put it into practice and we'll see how it feels, you know. But um it's all about just noting and we code things like that then as well. Like we we'll call that a particular thing. Um and then we'll see how it fits. We'll we'll try it out for a few weeks. If we like it, we'll keep it in. If we don't, we'll discard it, we'll keep it in the back pocket, you know. But um yeah, it's just always kind of trial and error. And like John is my 
head coach is a, is a mentor of mine for years, great friends, but you kind of have to take the bull by the horns when it's your own career too and figure out these things because it's kind of the difference. We all go back to GA and team sports. You have a manager there. They're going to tell you how to train, tell you what to do. But when MMA, it's so dynamic. There's so many different aspects of it that you kind of have to figure out a lot of stuff by yourself too. You get me? So like, um, and the beauty about it, like MMA is, is evolving so fast. So the best thing is to study is what you just seen on last week's Bellator card or UFC card because that's as good as it gets. Do you get me? Um, but yeah, constantly studying, constantly noting, constantly putting it into practice. That's how that's how we do it. I remember in the last fight, we, what's what's the name of that thing? The the, the Lee Hammond did one in, in a couple of his fights. Where oh, what's it called? You know, you're on Yeah, did you get a bit of a berimbolo in the last fight? Are you something like it anyway? Because no. I remember looking at it. No. You, but your man was on top of you, and you like swung the leg around him and like pulled him down at one stage. There was I don't know. I need I need to go back and watch it. But the, what did yeah, I need fight? to go back and watch it too? But like <laughs> you know, that's a perfect example of a game. What we're talking about game planning mm-hmm. there. Oh, I, I had him in mount on bottom, and I and he. Like no offense to Luca, he's a nice guy, but he, he felt like a child on bottom. And I was like, I could finish this fight here, but because I had game plan, I was so adamant on getting a knockout. I had no interest in going for any arm triangle setup that I was getting in training. I just wanted to knock this fucker out. But that's what I'm saying. That wasn't adaptable. That should be adaptable. Do you get me? But um, yeah, I, I can't. I have not watched that fight back myself. I, I watched it a couple of times. But uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's that's that's how I train. But um. You know, the next next fight is, is I'm going to try to be a bit more of a mixed martial artist. I feel like I'm doing it each fight. If you go back to like a few fights ago, it's primarily hands. Now I've got a good kicking game in. Um, it's been a while since I've seen my, my wrestling. I used to be a, a good wrestler. You look back to, say, the Tommy McCaffrey days. That's, that was my, when I fought him and those kind of fights. I was primarily a grappler. So the next fight would be a good mix of you. And I think it'll be a good mix too, because you look at Ada Rodriguez and like, He's a funny one because he's been he's been fighting longer than you, and it's there are many of them around at the moment. I think he made his debut in two thousand and eight or something like that. But he's only had yeah. one fight in the last what six years ish, um, and that was a very wrestle heavy fight. I saw I was watching last night on Fight Pass, I think, where he literally just kind of took his opponent down three times and and wrestled him during the whole fight. Yeah. Is that something like obviously you're moving up from 135 now against a guy who looked to me to be like big enough at uh, uh, at 145 in that and a heavy wrestler as well? That must be yeah. like, as I say, it's a very challenging matchup. And like, if you do beat this guy, uh, the, the people who've gone and watched him will know it's a very, very good win, but it's a very tough matchup against a very unheralded guy who's never fought in Bellator, you know, who's unranked and all of that. It's it's about as tough as matchup as you can get for a guy who isn't in the top uh, in the top 10 rankings. Yeah, but who are you talking to? You know what I mean? It's not the first rodeo. It's not the first time you've said this to me, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a big boogle. He's, um, he, like, he's a good top game. Sometimes his takedowns look really good. Sometimes they look very sloppy. Uh, but look at the guys he's fighting he's, he's um, you know safe guys have very poor footwork um, you know I, I feel like that uh, I can put a good game plan in place but you know if it goes down to the ground I'm very dangerous there too and it's about trusting that part of my game too, as well you know and you know I feel like I could easily put him on his ass as well and, and do a lot of damage there too um, so look at Otto Rodriguez what I like about it is he's a 12-fight win streak. That my mouth water when I say that. You know, I can't wait to snap that. That's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, no matter who you are, if you're if it's your first time tuning in to watch a fight or you're around a long time like yourself as a, as a, as a journalist or a fan or whatever it may be, 
you'll know that this is going to be a big win. Matchmakers, they, they know that, that it's a big win. At the end of the day, I don't know, like um, when he's fought last, I know he's fought in LFA last. I didn't actually see that fight. I've seen a couple of his fights. He's, 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 he's good everywhere, but he's primarily good on top. But, um, you know, uh, that's, this, this, this excites me. The last fight didn't excite me. Where do you see the difference in performance? What do you think is the best way to fight someone like that who's a heavy top wrestler? You know, he, he likes to dig a any handcuff and, you know, he loves to, to kind of go forward. Like, there's the school of thought that you, you grapple with him, you wrestle with him, you try to win that battle and get out. And there's another school of thought that, you know, you you use your jab. You don't let them get near you. You, you, you know, you sidestep around them and use your footwork to get away from them. Obviously, for you, that'd be very applicable. But as you said, you could do it on the ground as well. What do you think is the best way to fight fighters like that? Look, there's a couple of different ways that you could go out there and you could stay lateral with, with your movement. You could try to lead, uh, attack heavy rather than crossing the hips with your backhand. Try maybe avoid kicks or, you know, so he can't catch. You could walk that way and, and try outpoint him on the feet or, or try clip him as he comes in. Or you could try to take him down and put him on his hold. You know what I mean? A um, couple of different ways of doing that. But, you know, again, it excites me. There's so many options there to go out and try to beat a guy of, of that caliber. Um, you know, so. Again, we don't know what he's been up to. It's been a while since he fought. He could come out and he could be after training karate for the last two years. <laughs> Doubtful. You usually go back to what you uh, to what you do better, you know. So he he will be trying to take it down. When he gets a couple of jab, snappy jabs in the nose, he be trying even harder, you know. And look, at, uh, I'm not going to be naive to say that we're not going to end up there. Um, we probably are, and I'm, I'm going to welcome that. Um, you know, I'm very dangerous off my back. I'm doing a lot of jiu-jitsu, and it's about time I really committed to that in the cage because I'm a nightmare on the mats on a weekly basis so you know uh, but I I do love a knockout I do love a, the striking game too you know but I'm a mixed martial arts I'm not a kickboxer um, so there's plenty of ways of beating this guy but we'll see we'll see how this uh, our training goes and uh, how I feel on that night I like I can't wait for this. It's going to be great, and another great night for Irish man. The, the last thing I wanted to, to kind of ask you about is, you know, you're a very proud Irishman, and it's a great time for Irish MMA at the moment. Obviously, the big Bellator card is coming up, but three cage warriors champions, you know, the, the likes of yourself and Sinead and Peter Queeley and Liam McCourt and everyone else doing well, and you know, Kiefer maybe getting into the UFC and Lee Hammond and all the rest of them. It must be, you know, for someone, you're, you're one of the last ones who was there during the last kind of come up and during this one as well. One, you know, maybe you're, yourself and, and Peter Queeley might, might be the, kind of the only two uh, people kind of still there. And there's obviously a few of the people uh, still still training and Connor as well, I suppose. And I watched the Connor yeah. documentary last night. and kind mm. of, you know, saw how proud, proud he is to be Irish and obviously he sponsors you as well now and things like that as well. How great must it be to be like, part of another kind of come up in Irish MMA and to be there you know in, in the main card of an Irish card as well with just so much kind of hype around Irish MMA and like warranted hype as well because there's so many great fighters it must be a joy to be part of that like as someone who, who was training when MMA was unheralded in the country it's unbelievable Irish MMA like since uh, since those early days since especially Connor, you know uh, broke through that ceiling it's, it's been unbelievable we did kind of see like a dip of you know, of um, not performances or fighters, but a lot of lads just not getting their, you know, their recognition or whatever it may be, but now we're in a really good spot. You know, we, Bellator have a lot of us signed, you know, huge promotion. Um, 
that card in the three arena is the card of the year anywhere in the world. In my opinion, if if, you, if, you, if you're in attendance, you just don't argue with that. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, there's a lot of other guys that are doing really well that are on the fringes of of the UFC that are on the fringes of Bellator too. That that I feel like um, that should be getting a call very soon too. So it's a super exciting time. You look at like um, you know, you look at say Sinead, you look at Leah, you look at different people like we're. We're all getting closer to belts as well to bring in more world titles. I think it's just all and only a matter of time. Um, so yeah, it's, it was exciting back then. It's exciting now, but onwards and upwards, you know. And, and it just seems like the talent is still coming through from even more, you know, at clubs and areas. So it's it's super exciting time. And as someone as well, I suppose, who's you know from Wexford but trained in Dublin, the fact that. You know, there's people from Tyrone, there's people from Waterford, Wexford, Cork, everywhere doing it in all different counties. It's it's brilliant as well. And, you know, obviously yeah. MMA is going, obviously everything is Dublin centralised in this country. But the fact yeah. that there's people who come from everywhere else, it's uh, it's great as well. And what's always great as well, when you're at your fight, you see all the Wexford people in the crowd and that's always one of the yeah. biggest pops. And it's, it's absolutely great to see that as well. And it's, uh, you know, we get a bit of that GA in it as well, I suppose, where we have the... That's great. <laughs> the yeah, look at it, it's... Well. it's do you know it's funny because it, like, I suppose it's just it's sport in general, but in Ireland I feel like even more so that like you know if if Kilkenny are playing Wexford, you know they fucking hate each other. Do you know what I mean? Which is mental because Kilkenny people are some of the nicest I've ever met. But like um, when you're there on the night, if you're from Kilkenny, Wicklow, Limerick, Galway, whatever, for someone bringing a tricolor, everybody's getting behind it. You know, it's just it's it's amazing to see, but especially amazing to see in this sport because. Go back a decade ago or a little bit more. It wasn't a sport. It wasn't over here anyway. We were, you know, cutting our teeth in in uh, GEA halls um, and getting paid nothing for it. And now the landscape is so different, and it's it's great to see. And it must be it's very exciting for me, being a guy who's been there since the start. But it must be so exciting to see uh, for a kid who's 13, 14, 15 getting into this sport um, who love it just as much as I did when I found it when I was 21 or 2 because now they have a clear path, clear direction if they work hard where they can end up when we were first doing it and I looked at that Connor documentary yesterday myself and you know I remember even going back and, he, and him saying that you know he's going to have enough money for his kids' kids to be looked after money wasn't even there in the sport we still believe that you know which was fucking fascinating and I can always think about Ashley Daly as well who was working as hard if not harder than all the rest of us when there wasn't a women's division in the UFC do you know um, so it's just amazing to see it because there was no roadmap and, and now there really is because of these guys it's honestly, it's hard for me to stay unbiased because I'm I, like I'm so happy for everyone coming up. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant for me as well because I can talk about all of you and it's uh it's it's a joy to do it. And it's brilliant. I lied. Last question, right? And any insight on oh, what the yeah. any insight on what the walkout song is going to be? I I've two I've two options for you. Here you go. Uh, and I want I want to know which is the better song, right? Mm-hmm. Bula Vogue or Kelly the boy from Kalan. Which one of them? I, I feel like one of them would be a great choice now here in Dublin. I love Kelly. But I came out to Kelly the boy from Kalan before. Yeah. Um, but Bula Vogue is my favourite song of all time. When two I was two good choices. Two good choices there, sir. <laughs> they are. They really are. There's one, uh, Brian Roebuck has a beautiful version of Bula Vogue that I'd love to come out to. But uh, when I was a child, in, um, I was an okay singer, believe it or not, Sean, back no. in the day. Yeah, go and, on, go uh, on, give us a minute. Yeah, <laughs> and I was always taken out of class 
to go and and sing to like the other classes or you know if there was a fucking talent show or bullshit like that but it was always Gula Vogue it was always Gula Vogue I sang funnily enough it was it's kind of how I ended up getting so interested in the 798 Rebellion and my mother and her sisters used to sing rebel songs of PJ McCall actually wrote both of those songs um, and he used to live in a, a really small cottage about uh, not 200 yards from my 500 yards from my original my home place so there's a good history there of uh, of that. Now I can't sing for shit though. So don't I don't believe that. you. I don't believe you. <laughs> we'll get, I look after the win. I, we'll get it in, uh, in September. I might do a, a Manny Pacquiao and he actually sings his own yeah, walkers. Yeah. I, mean, I might do that for the next one. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Bring the microphone out with you. Here, here's the good yeah. one. My, uh, my grandfather was Eamon de Valera's second cousin. So there you go. You know, no way! You know, yeah. we're all, we're he was all, on the wrong side, was he? <laughs> yeah, well, we won't talk about that. You know? <laughs> we're all on the right side at one stage, but sure, look at yeah, yeah. right. We leave it there, well, Brian. Thanks very much. I appreciate. It. I'm looking forward to September now. It should be a, a great fight and another great night for for Wexford and Irish MMA as well. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sean. a great party and like. No worries. So bad.